It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is happy hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation. I've never had anything like that looking right at me, though. What is that thing? Uh, that's a ring I just got at uh, Bloomingdale's. It's a beetle. Oh, it's thanks. a huge. It's a huge red ruby style beetle. How big would that be, Goat? This is Reverend Goat Carson here. Uh, that's probably about an inch and a half. An inch and a half, gigantic. What would you call that? Costume jewelry. Yes, I would call it costume. It's costume jewelry. It's nice. Yeah. Well, and you got it at Bloomingdale's. Got it at Bloomingdale's. You and I see you thing. have four good fingers, and this one's cut off. Yeah, that had right. an accident with a tractor. A tractor? When did you do that? Uh, 1990. What happened? Uh, I was mowing the guy's lawn. I had a place that was in exchange for mowing his lawn. And the deck was one of those moors where the deck flops down. And it hit a mogul, so it plopped down. So I went to reach under it to put it back up again in the thing coughed and it took off that finger and mangled this one that one looks okay yeah it looks all right yeah well i went to john hopkins you know and you, they that's left some, me sitting some... there for eight hours this tip and did died. you tell me you could only count up to seven at that point because of your missing yeah, finger well, that's or seven and a half seven and a half <laughs> <laughs> you sat there for eight hours with your finger chopped off yeah and they let the, the actual tip they could have reattached they let it die damn and wow. the, this one doctor was getting ready to go off, you know, to dinner. And uh, my wife said, hey, he's been sitting here. They've given him no pain medication because they want to test the sensitivity. But he's been here for eight hours. Can you do something? And the guy says, oh, okay. I'll, I'll sew it up and I'll try and save as much of the stump as can. But you'll have to have, a, you know, another operation to reform it. Good heavens. Yeah. Was... But I got the reservation. <laughs> yeah. So this is Eric Hollaback who's joining us as well. How's it going? Hey, Eric. I'm good. Eric is a stand-up comedian. Goat, do you know about him? About him? Do you know anything about Eric Hollaback? Oh. Would you like me to tell you? <laughs> yes, tell me about him. Okay, I thought Eric's... you were talking about somebody's bottom. <laughs> well, I could. Do you know a bottom? Well, <laughs> there's one right well, over there. Okay. <laughs> no, well, Eric is not one. I don't know. Are you a bottom, Eric? No, I'm a I'm a straight man, you know, but uh, <laughs> finger here and there, you know, if the if the drugs are hitting my system right, you know. What kind of drugs do you prefer? Uh, MDMA, you know, weed. Yeah. Weed? Are you a big weed smoker? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, are you a big weed smoker, goat? Meow. That sounds. That's a yes, right? I would think so. Yeah. And then sitting to my right are the guys from a band called Shark's Teeth. Yes. How's it going? Hello. This is Tyler Scurlock. Yes. Hello. Who's brought an acoustic guitar with him? And so has Zach Meredith yep. bought another acoustic guitar. Though none of you guys play the guitar. I thought you played like keyboards, both of you. We thought it would be more appropriate to bring the guitar today. Yeah. yeah. So you're multi-instrumentalists. Yes. So, so. <sighs> well put. So this band, Shark's Teeth, is very interesting. We also have a drummer. Spencer Dyer was with us as well with his muted snare drum. What's up, Spence? What up, guys? Okay. <laughs> who, who are you texting? Chuck. 
Uh, just, you know, some of Sharky's biggest fans letting them in. Some of your fans, fans. texting in. Okay, yeah. all right. Stay tuned to WWNO. No, but not on WWNO. I don't know. Why does everybody think the show is on WWNO? Because <laughs> he told me that. Who told you that? Propaganda. Oh, Tyler told you I that. think it was a misunderstanding. How did you get that? You know, everybody asks me if we're on WWNO, which is the NPR really? station. If you've heard the show ever, you'll be pretty obvious why we're not. Because it sucks. Well, I just felt like sucks. I heard yeah. your voice yeah. on NPR, on WWNO. All right. Well, hey, he's talking to the mic here. That's, uh, the, that's had, the radio I, method. I guess I thought I heard your voice on, on WWNO before. Yeah. I, my voice is on WWNO okay. every out week. Out to Lunch is on presented lunch. by... Right. I got those shows that's confused. Him. Yeah. I produce Out to Lunch. So oh. my voice ends up on that show. But Graham DuPonte is a producer of this show. Here she is right over here. Hi. So... Yeah, but this show is not on WWE, and that's why you think that's Clearly where the confusion might come from, I guess. Yeah, I think yeah. so. That we make those both so shows, Out to Lunch and Happy Hour. Yeah. Hmm. Got to consolidate. Well, anyway, if you want to tell anyone to watch this while you're, uh, while you're, spe- while you're uh, texting them, Spencer, it's on Facebook Live. Oh, cool. Right now. Oh, my gosh. This Whoa. is Grayson yeah. is shooting it right now in front of you. Who's saving us now? Hey, anyway, so I was going to tell you before I talking about Goat's uh, cut-off finger and his uh, costume jewelry that we're at Wayfair today, which is on Ferret Street. Wayfair is a restaurant and a bar that serves handcrafted food and spirits with a whole new menu and a radically new happy hour, which is three hours every single day from 3 to 6. We can get half-price drinks and half-price off the food as well. Yeah, the appetizers are pretty banging. It's awesome here. So come yeah. down and check out. You can come down when we're here between uh, whatever time it is now and an hour later. Mm-hmm. On Wednesdays, or come anytime with your own friends. If you have any friends you want to come down, Andrew Duhon is back from Canada. Yeah, man. We had a whole conversation last week about whether you were actually out of the country, given that Canada. Well, now, of course. Not out of the continent, just out of the country. Did you hear Donald Trump's uh, press conference? Oh, Anybody? some of it. Excerpts. So, are we moving yeah. to Canada, or what's the situation? How bad was it? Oh, well, more of the same, I think. Just the same. Did you guys hear anything? I'll try, I'll try not to. You're out of the whole loop? Yep. Yeah. So, so, let's, so should we, you know, do you know there's a lot of um, interesting music around this table. Do you know that Goat has a Grammy Award? No, what? Whoa. Yes. Andrew's been nominated for a Grammy. It's not true, actually. Even though he says it's not wow. true every time I say it. And Goat is an actual Grammy Award winner for his work on Dr. John's album. Nice. Yeah. City, City of Care, Care Forgot. Forgot. Yeah. And I want to do a rap because, you yes. know... I'm promoting my show that I did right. with Melly Mel back in the 80s, and he was a master. This is it. Grandmaster Flash and Melly Mel. Right. Yeah. So this so show. So how, how, how do you know him? Uh, when I came back to New York from Hollywood, I just, uh, through my connections, got my steps on the lead in a Disney movie. Right. And everybody was well, like. Hang on, there's a bit of a loaded sentence here. You came back from Hollywood. What were you doing in Hollywood? Uh, I was a screenwriter and all this other stuff, but uh, all right. I had a big in because Karen Black was my sister-in-law, and she knew the director of Something Wicked This Way Comes. So, so. Karen Black was married to your brother? Or yeah. You? Okay. And who's your brother? Uh, Kit Carson. Kit Carson? Yeah. Now, that's a famous name, isn't it? Yeah. How do we know that name? What does he do? Oh, well, he's a screenwriter and an actor and stuff, but... Anyhow, so you come get, you come from a showbiz family, basically, yeah. And, okay. And I came back to New York, and every all the little kids that were Sean's friends were all excited. Oh, you're gonna make us a star too, and then <laughs> just gotta kiss that big ring. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> the bishop says. <laughs> yeah. What but, What year are we talking about here? Go. Uh, eighty four. Eighty four. Okay. Yeah. So Reagan was the president. 
Yeah, we all hated him. He invented trickle down. Right. I think he was about as unpopular as Trump is. Oh, I would say in the ghetto, definitely. We're in the Bronx. Right. <laughs> he better not show up in the damn Bronx. <laughs> but now he's the greatest president that ever lived. So the Republicans say, yeah. Right. The, the so, great communicator. <laughs> do you think Trump is going to go the same way? He's going to end up as the great communicator? No. No, I don't know what he's going to do, but it'll be uh, exciting. You know, I was, I was thinking about it today that, Grant, you you yes. actually called the uh, Trump win. I predicted it long before. I thought you were full of shit. <laughs> yeah, that's really helped my credibility that I predicted I couldn't, Trump. I couldn't. Like, you put it on the social networks and whatnot. You yeah. were talking about, you know, I don't want to be right, but I think I'm right thing. Yeah. You were right. I was right. That was crazy. But that was as far as I've got, really. I can't predict anything else. I, I remember I having a thought, something like... I remember in college finding those websites where you could bet on football overseas, right. you know, and that was fun when you were in college and paying attention to college football. And I know that you could bet on the presidency. And I had thoughts about there's all this kerfuffle about Trump maybe getting nominated. Maybe I should put some money on this. Really glad I didn't. Why? Because Why? I would have bet against Trump. <laughs> I didn't know you could bet on the presidency. Oh, you could bet on anything, yeah. Legally, though? No, not in the States it's legally. Illegal. It's illegal, but you bet on a website that doesn't uh, have its holdings in the United States. No, you can go to, like, Windows in Las Vegas, and you can bet basically on anything. You know? Is that Yeah, maybe so Las Vegas yeah. would be the one spot in the States where you could bet on anything. But I think, it, generally speaking, in the United States, you would need to bet into a company that's based in the Caribbean or something, right? This, this whole um, Trump presidency really got me thinking, like, okay, what, what if George Clooney and Matt Damon ran together? Like, they would murder every—like, they, uh, they could be a Green Party candidate and mm -hmm. be the president. Like, now I'm realizing, like, oh, this is about popularity. It's got nothing to do with uh, ideas at all. If they could make like, a big production out of every press conference, you know, really get into it, have a song and dance sort of, you know, yeah. Lonely Planet sort of thing. Really oh, he's dancing, he's tap dancing. Look, yeah, at, yeah. look at that smile. I'm voting yeah. for Matt Damon. You smile, know? I like that. <laughs> you know I ran for president, right? Yes, oh. I was just uh, going to mention that in really? 1992. Yeah, George, uh, Joe Walsh was my... Uh, Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh from the Eagles. No shit. Was the vice presidential candidate. I love Joe yeah. Walsh. <laughs> yeah, we got about 100,000 votes nationwide. Well, <laughs> come on. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty cool. awesome. So we're talking to a presidential candidate and a Grammy Award winner. Wow. And a NAMI Award winner. And a NAMI. Native American Music Award winner. So cool. You're, and you're also Native American. Yes, I am. What are you? Which tribe are you? I'm what they call the Renegade Cherokee. Renegade Cherokee. What does that mean? You got kicked out of the Cherokee tribe or something? No. At the time of the Oklahoma land rush, my great-grandfather, and uh, he was Cherokee, and then the Choctaws, we banded together to, you know take it to the Supreme Court. I mean, you can't break every treaty with every Indian nation you ever made and just because you want more land. And what the government responded with was the Curtis Act that eventually dissolved the Cherokee and Choctaw government, saying, oh, you can't sue us because you don't exist. Mm. And then they introduced the Dawes Rule, which was like blood quorum. Blood and what? Quorum, you know, how much blood you have. You know, oh, oh yeah, I'm yeah, only yeah. 160. Right. And uh, my great-grandfather says, you don't have the right to tell me whether my grandchildren are going to be Cherokee. I walked the trail of tears. Get off it, okay? I'll tell you who's Cherokee and who's not. And uh, 
So that's where we went renegade. A lot of uh, Texas Cherokees and Choctaws that were up in the Panhandle went renegade because the Panhandle was really small until the Oklahoma land rush. Then it got big. And what they basically did was move into Cherokee land. And my great-grandfather had a trading post. I mean, we were the civilized tribes. You know, it wasn't just a race for land. We had businesses. We had seminaries, you know. It was a race to grab our shit, you know, right. <laughs> basically. And that's what it was. And so he protested, and he just stayed where he was, and, you know, he became a Texan, basically. Well, what happened to the sovereign land stuff when they, all the tribes got the right to have their sovereign land, and you can have a casino, and it's not, tax, not taxable and all that? Did you get... Do you own a casino? Uh, no. The whole thing was that that didn't come about till very much later. All they did at the Oklahoma Ranch Brush was just push us out and right. take, take our shit. But I thought they rectified all that with this whole sovereign land treaties, and they gave all these yeah, tribes... Yeah, and then, of course, their... you know, you got the freaking pipeline that's running right through sovereign land. Right. And they've got police out there spraying Indians with, you know, water hoses in the freezing. Right. It's like, you know, they never get enough, okay? I'm just sorry. They, yeah. You know, they got the whole continent, and then they want to take these little pieces too, you know? So are you the only Native American who's ever run for president? Uh, Will Rogers. Will Rogers. Ran for president. Yeah, he was the a, cowboy? Well, he was, a, he was a Cherokee too. A renegade Cherokee? Yeah. Huh. Will Rogers was renegade Cherokee. Will Rogers is the country western singer. Yeah. And There's not too many country western singers who are Indian, are there? Well, Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson's Indian? Uh, his original band was called the Cherokee Cowboys. Was that right? Yeah. Wow. I know Willie pretty good, too. How do you know him? Uh, I met him when I was running for president. He really <laughs> liked the whole we want our money back thing. And then, <laughs> What uh, was your platform? We want our money back. Yeah. My platform is we want our money back. We want to shut down the federal bureaucracy. We want to give it a Willie Nelson audit. <laughs> and in between now and then, every citizen was going to get $100,000 because that's how we figured it out. That's a great idea. If you took all the money in the bank that the government has, we'd all get $100,000. Basically, yeah. Anybody over 21 that's would get a hundred That's a good platform, don't you think? Yeah. Genius. I could get behind that. Yeah. Yep. And Joe Walsh was going to be the vice president in charge of dividing it up. How did Amazing. you come up with Joe Walsh as your vice presidential running mate? Uh, he had a song out at that time saying, I want to be vice president. And, <laughs> and okay. he was playing with Kinky, so I said, hey, Kinky, ask Joe if he wants That's to be my running Kinky mate. Kinky Friedman, the Texas Jew Boys, yeah. Kinky. Okay. And he said, hey, you want to be Goat's running mate? And, of course. And he gave him the Oh, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> had you met him before that? Uh, no, I just met him through Kinky at On the that trail. time. Yeah. So it was like an arranged marriage. Of Somewhat. Political yeah. expediency. Yeah. So it's good to have a campaign song ready to go. I, I don't know that song. Do you guys, anyone that... Is we want any? the money back. <laughs> it was really fun. Nice. Now, i got to do this rap because... Yeah, yeah you can do we're it. We're talking Melly Mel. Yeah, okay, let's go back to that. So thing. somehow you moved back from, uh, from Hollywood. Eric used to work in Hollywood too, by the way. We'll get on to yeah. that in a minute. Okay, mm -hmm. so... You moved back from Hollywood to New York. Yeah. And you met, somehow you met Mally Mel. Yeah. Who at that point was the sort of inventor of rap, actually. Basically, he was. He was the one that took it uh, international. Right. Because he was so um, socially conscious, shall we say. Well, how did you get involved with him? As a because, uh, screenwriter from Hollywood who's married to Karen Black's. Uh, his uh, oh, hang on. costume designer lived downstairs from me. 
And these guys used to dress. They were like Mardi Gras Indians. They dressed constantly, you know, and they'd walk their blocks up in the Bronx and then, don't you get on crack, kid, you know, and all this shit. And uh, he just fell, you know, right into what I was doing. And uh, I'd had a movie going because somebody had offered me all the video and production and post-production. So I had a script. I said, Mel, I want to change this script up and we'll make it a science fiction. And you'll be life master, guardian of the universe. You'll have a little computer, which is a naked green girl. And, and then the, you're looking for the dreamer because the dreamer slipped away. And uh, Chernobyl went through the center of the earth. Ah. The devil grabbed it, and he was going to twist it so it came up under the twin towers. And <laughs> okay. This is so that was this whole, the battle is to wake the dreamer up before the devil gets, you know, the Twin Towers destroyed. Well, so, this has really got a lot of, it's a lot of heavy. Well, pre- what pre- what year was that, Peter? 83, 84. Whoa. So you made this movie. I made it. And with Mally Mel as the star of it. Yeah. And it's about the Twin Towers being possessed by the devil who came up through the center of the earth because of the Chernobyl. Is it on Netflix yeah. or what? Meltdown. Uh, I got to check this out. No, I can't. Uh, I can't distribute it uh, commercially because of the deal I had with this guy. Right. Now we need a better lawyer. That's all. And well, he collected unfinished masterpieces. He had one from Jonathan Demme. He made the same deal. I'll give you everything. This is the guy who financed your movie. Yeah. Originally, what's this dude's name? Because we could call him up. Brian Kelly, but I think he may be gone now. He's dead. I think so. So what are you thinking? That's what I'm thinking. So who has the rights to it now? You. Okay, so yeah, let's get this yeah. worked out. Okay, yeah. So now we're getting somewhere. Maybe a little New Orleans viewing party or something before you launch. You know. Well, I'm I'm thinking that once we show it, you know, we'll get invited to the New Orleans Film Festival. There you, go. you know, right. there's yep. a lot of venues that I can show it at. Yep. So are you going to show it somewhere here? I'm going to show it at the uh, Zeitgeist Theater. Oh, yeah. Original Catholic Haley, and that's going to be Saturday from 7 to 9. This Saturday. This Saturday. Yeah. That will be January the 14th. Yep. 2017, if you listen to this, before January the 14th, 2017. Yeah. It's going to be 7 o'clock at Zeitgeist, which is whereabouts of that exactly? On Aretha Aretha Castle Haley Ball. Yeah. Okay. And how much is it to get in? Is it free or what? Uh, No, it's like five bucks. Ten bucks, yes. Five or ten bucks to get in. This is going to be great. So we can see this. Who directed this? You, direct, you wrote and directed it? Yeah. Were you called Reverend Goat Carson back then, or were you called something else? No, I was just Goat. Goat? Yeah. And, and I have read, because you, I mean, there's a lot to talk to you about, actually, but does Goat really stand for go on and try? That's it. It is true, that. Yeah, it is true. I have read an article about you somewhere else that said that. Yeah, Yaki Medicine Man. This is 1966 when I was out in Los Angeles. Because I'd come out with uh, Bonnie and Clyde. They shot it in Dallas, and they all were good friends of mine. So Michael Pollard invited me to come out and meet everybody. You know, right. 1966, so I was meeting the birds and the doors and everybody that was around. Mama Cass and huh. Tommy Smothers. <laughs> who, were, who were you dating in those days? Any actresses? Uh, no, no. I was already married. and that was a bit of a mistake before yeah. you moved to Hollywood. Well, that, that's what I thought. But anyhow, <laughs> I had two kids, and I can't, you know, the kids are so wonderful. Was, you know. That was a good move. 
Yeah, it was a good move because we had kids. Think of all those actresses you could have been dating if you met all these people. Well, I, I did meet them all, and Tina Louise was kind of interested in me. <laughs> Tina Louise, anybody? No. Who is that? I don't know. Tyler Professor no. Anne Mary. <laughs> ah, from oh, yeah. Gilligan's Island. She, she's from Gilligan's Island. She's the movie star. Well. Ah, well. In that case. Yeah, she came to one of Karen's parties, and we were dancing, and we got to meowing, and, well, yeah. Where'd you get this meow thing from? Uh, I made it up because I've got Alzheimer's, and people would ask me, hey, do you remember blah, 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 blah? And it was just getting to be a strain, so I just started meowing. Oh, yeah, meow. <laughs> and it's like a universal language, as long as you, you know... You oh, it's for cats. Yeah, you can vary the pronunciation. Oh, meow. Nice, yeah. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. <laughs> and do people think you're, are you crazy? No, they think I'm a kitty cat. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of sexualities these days. You know, everything is fluid. People yeah. have yeah. other kin. You know, some yeah. people are born and they're like, oh, actually, I'm a tarantula, so I'd like special uh, bathroom in schools. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. That's just what going I want. That's just trendy, you know? Yeah, yeah. It is. So, Eric. Yeah. What shows did you work on in Hollywood? Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I uh, worked on a bunch of reality shows. I went to uh, the New School in New York, and then I was an intern for Comedy Central. I worked on uh, Making the Bands and, mm. and uh, this show called 50 Cent, The Money and the Power. Mm. Then I moved to L.A., and I worked on Shark Tank and Amazing Race oh. and oh, wow. a bunch of reality shows. And then, um, I don't know, I got sick of it. So uh, I was like, man, <laughs> these, these, these things are making people stupid, you know, yeah. some of these shows that I was working on. So, um, you know, I, I came here to get my master in screenwriting at the University of New Orleans. So that's what I'm doing now. And nice. Goat is a screenwriter. Yeah, I got, so yeah. this is a good hookup. I know. Look at, look at, look meow, at this meow. ring. <laughs> you could do... You I'm like, what's, do... the, what's the phone number of this guy? Meow, meow, meow. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm screwed. Hey, uh, do you remember the name of the movie, actually? Code? Step off. The tip-off. Step-off. 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 Step yeah, that's off. the Melly Mel movie. And I, I even got Dylan to let Melly do a rap version of Subterranean Homesick Blues ah. and add a verse. You know Bob Dylan? Well, yeah. Bob Dylan let you change the lyrics to his song? Yeah. Well, he okay, loved well, Melly the, Mel. He that's was very, the sentence of the day right there, I think. Yeah, he, he loved Melly Mel. I mean, I'd met him... When I was touring with the Alpha Band and the Rolling Thunder and all that. You were on the Rolling Thunder too with Dylan? Uh, no, I wasn't on it. I, when it crash landed in L.A., I was with the Alpha Band, and they were the band. With the Beatles, Apple Band. Yeah, they were the, the band for the Rolling Thunder. They were the main band. They and, were, and they so were they, friends of yours, or you, you were a yeah, musician? Yeah, Keybone Burnett was a real good friend of mine, and I... Again, as a lyricist, I'd written a lot of songs with him, and one of them happened to be what he put on the album, which was Last Chance to Dance. And uh, so I was out there. I had a command performance for Bob, too. It's like we went to a party after the Troubadour, and Bob was there. Uh, little Herve Village was, was a good friend of mine, a little bit plain boss. And I'm laying on the couch, drunk, and he comes up to me. Slap, slap, slap. Come on, wake up. Bobby wants to hear you. <laughs> so I went out and uh, I was looking at him and uh, had my guitar. And, okay, uh, I got one for you, Bob. Can you still play guitar? No, I went to the Jawbone Harp. Yeah. Because yeah. we have a couple of guitars here. No, I don't want to do you that. You don't want to do it? No. Well, what about the rap that you're going to do? 
Okay, now this Dr. John had me do. The first show that Dr. John and I did together was at Bard College back in Oakland. And it was to raise money for, it's called Build a Living, to raise money. And Doc insisted that I be on the show, and he insisted that I do this rap. So, is everybody ready? Let's do this. You ready, guys? Strap in, strap in. Here we go. Politics slick like a mare trick. It's all radioactive rhetoric. They say power is pain. Pain is power. I say all the world needs are just chicken shit cowards. They starve the lowly, fat and the rich, and then kiss the ass of any son of a bitch with the JUIs to make it comfy and nice for the military spiders and the parasites. That's right. Every word I said, it was right. Every word I said, it was right. Every word I said, but you ain't got the sense to listen to me, no. Pop, hip, no religion. Who call a doctor, get the nurse. We got all these crazy bastards citing chapter, line, and verse. Wake up, last time Jesus went to church, that man whooped butt, y'all folks got hurt. He said, brood of vipers, den of thieves. Son of man is not deceived. My body is the temple, my spirit is the church, my throne the stars of heaven, my footstool is the earth. How dare a man of God wear diamonds while the homeless walk the street? Children dying in your doorway because they ain't got enough to eat. And you talk about Jesus coming back? Well, who you expect to meet? Some lot with the Jones Rose stained glass? Or the King of Glory coming in to smite your pompous ass? Uh, that's right. Every word I said, it was right. Every word I said, it was right. Every word I said, but you ain't got the sense to listen to me. No. You just sitting there with that bacon stare, licking their poison from the air. You suck the pus of satisfaction, trickling down from billionaires all riddled up with cancer while you watch some stupid dancer do the hammer on TV. Remember me, because I told you just as cold as midnight blows across the graves around Chernobyl, you ain't free. You ain't free. Don't talk that crap to me. That's right. Every word I said, it was right. Every word I said, it was right. Every word I said, but you ain't got the sense to listen to me. No. Oh, my God. I think you need a second opinion on your diagnosis of Alzheimer's here. (laughs) Not one meow. No meows. Yeah, Yeah, that was amazing. I couldn't remember half. Could you remember a rap? Well, I guess you guys are musicians. You could probably remember a few lyrics. Maybe one, but no. Well, that's impressive. Good. So you wrote that? Mm Mm-hmm. And you wrote that for Dr. John? Did he ever do that, or you just wrote it for yourself? I wrote it for myself, and he insisted, and he insisted that I do it on the show at Bard. Right. You know, he made sure I got to the show, you know, demanded that I be on the show, because we had all these, you know, big-name guests, and Natalie Merchant and all these people. Yeah, whatever happened to Natalie Merchant? Yeah. Do you stay in touch with her? Uh, actually, No. Did you just sing it a cappella like that, or did you do it? No, I just wrapped it out, and then I came, followed that with a song on my bone harp. Cool. And uh, she was, like, so happy. You know, I come off stage, and she's, thank you. You know, so, all right. So (laughs) do you stay in touch with Bob Dylan at all? Uh, It's through Kinky. Through Kinky. So you're in touch with Kinky Friedman. Yeah, I stay in close touch with Kinky. We've been fast friends for almost... Getting close to 40 years. <laughs> He's a great guy. Well, he ran for governor of Texas, didn't he? Yeah, and I was there backing him, and I took care of his dogs during his campaign. Did you? Yeah. Took care of his dogs during his campaign. That's quite a chore. That was, because he loves his dogs. He calls them the Freedmans. 
<laughs> okay. And I took care of him, and he liked me because I liked being out in the country all alone. Everybody else he had out there, you know, they'd watch the dogs, and they'd go in town and get drunk and, you know, try and pick up pooty. <laughs> Are you still doing that? No, I don't get drunk and chase pooty anymore. You don't do any of that? No. What do you do? I get high and write poetry. Okay. That's beautiful. That's probably a better endeavor. Yeah, it sounds great. Well, you know, it's always there. It's like nobody's fighting me. <laughs> oh, the joint didn't argue with me. Well, in that case, I think I found a wife. <laughs> Mary Jane. These guys smoke a lot of weed and shark's teeth as well, right? Oh, yeah. So, talk, talk, speaking to the, to the mic here. From so time who, to time. Now, who was in Sun Hotel on this band? Um, I was the only one in Sun Hotel who's presently here right now, but there's, right. A, there's another member who participates in Shark's Teeth uh, named Devin who was in Sun Hotel as well. So is Sun Hotel still going? Is this a side project? or No, Sun Hotel played our last show in the, I think, February of 2016, so just about a year ago. Maybe it was... Fifteen or two years ago? It's getting blurry. Yeah, I know. It's, it's getting blurry. Now. Yeah, so maybe it was two years ago. But since then, yeah, there's been a lot of other bands and things like that. Just well, Sun Hotel was a pretty successful little venture, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I got to do lots of more things than I ever thought I ever could with a little DIY college touring band. So, <laughs> sure, yeah. Wasn't it? Uh, it seemed to be one of those bands that was bigger outside of New Orleans than it was here. Yeah, we, we went all over the most, not the whole country, but at least the East Coast and the Midwest and stuff like that, and got to see a lot of beautiful, different places because of it. And how did you get to be so successful outside of New Orleans? Did you have some sort of good management or good luck? No, or what happened? it was pretty much just like getting um, caught up and connected to parallel universe DIY scenes in other cities. So, like, the people who were doing the exact same thing we were doing in Nashville or Atlanta or, you know, New York or Philadelphia, we, we were all trading shows and helping each other out. So on tour, we were all playing with each other, and we just got kind of caught up in that circuit and then got really ingrained in it for about three years and, and mm -hmm. went, just went for it, yeah. That's pretty cool. So now, is Shock Seath your full-time project, if um, you guys? And to some capacity, it felt like the, the last year... It's been a lot more energy focused on Shark's Teeth, um, but it's it's uh, one of many different projects, and it's, and it's not really a touring project. It's more of a studio project. So. It's really interesting music because it's really... Everyone's playing basically electronic equipment of yeah, some every, sort Everybody in, in this... Uh, uh, what's it called? Incarnation. Incarnation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of Shark's Teeth. Um, everybody does play an uh, electronic instrument a synthesizer of some kind or a sampler or a module or something like that. It's really cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really not New Orleans stuff. It's really fun. Stuff I feel you, like we have the yeah. most fun at shows. You know? You're enjoying it's yourself. Like, Where are you playing around New Orleans? Um, we're playing a lot this spring. Um, we're playing in a couple of weeks on the 18th at the Hi-Ho Lounge. And then we're playing on the 22nd at Gasa Gasa for the by the way, this is that's coming up on that's this week, not next. Oh, I'm sorry, the the 18th of yeah January. Yeah, that's in, coming up in it's the like 22nd of the February. The night after Goat's movie, actually. Yeah, and and then um and then a 
the next show that we're really uh, excited for, not that the other ones we are excited for, is we're bringing our friends Greater Pyrenees from Mississippi here for a show on March 31st at Gasa Gasa. Okay. And in the meantime, can we steal this music off of Spotify and everything? Yeah, you can find a lot of too much music on Spotify. There's a, yeah, there's sure. a huge number. There seems to be a huge amount of music. Yeah, it's unfiltered. You just put that's it up? The idea. You just keep putting it up? Well, yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. yeah. What exactly is that idea? Well, just sometimes with like a more official sort of project, you might want to go through the steps of like, you know, rehearsal and then demos and then... Um, tracking and then recording and then maybe promotion and then pressing and then the record comes out. Or you could just be in your room with a four-track cassette deck, make something you think sounds pretty cool, like you like you're into it, and you have Bandcamp, and so you can just upload it that night and bam, you just put out an album that night instead of like months of what yeah. normally goes into an album. So because of operating like that for the past like half decade, we've been able to yeah, put out a lot of output. How interesting. And you, everything sounds true except the word cassette. You're not really recording stuff on cassettes, Oh, are you? definitely. Are you serious? Yeah, plenty of stuff on cassette. You still have, a, like, a little Tascam cassette recorder? Yeah, something? we've got a, quite a few four-track cassette decks. My friend Shelby has an eight-track cassette deck that we use to record a lot. And then often, well, at the amazing. living room studio, we'll, we'll record onto reel-to-reel tape, which is a little bit, you know, bigger, you know, of an operation. Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Tape. So how does it go? So the cassette has some sort of digital out to it, so you can... Sure, up. sure. Just like, you know, you have a headphone jack on a cassette deck, uh-huh. you can plug that into an interface, uh, which goes into a computer program, such as Logic or something like that. Right. And uh, then you can, yeah, take any... You put it up. You can export anything from an um, a analog device to a digital device. Um, and put oh, it cool. online. Shark's teeth. So we can go it. steal yeah. it. There's tons of stuff. It's really cool. Thank you. But you don't have any filter. You don't think, you don't look back and go, shit, I wish I hadn't put that up because it's not that good of a version. I could have done better. Not really so much. That's, uh, it must be great to have that kind of confidence. In it. <laughs> well, sometimes I feel like I have spent a lot of my life being one of those people who've thought like, oh, I hate everything I make, like the moment after I make it, you know, and now I had to right. work on the next thing and that's complete shit and like, oh, that was all, like, it's going to be way better next time. <laughs> but I felt like I'm more comfortable in the last year of my life being more um, thankful for the different experiences that I've had over the last decade and for what they were and just glad that they exist. So, so you're not less caring about the output. You're not less careful about how good it sounds. Well, I mean, I wouldn't put out something that I didn't think sounded good. Right. Maybe. But you're more confident about what you put out. You're happier with what your product is now. Rather it's good than... enough for me. Right. It's, good. it's like uh, new jokes. That's... It's like water on your gills as a comedian. When you do new jokes, when you try new stuff, just keep, on, keep the water flowing on your gills, you know, as an artist. Well, that must be about the worst experience in the world, is standing up there in front of people telling a joke and trying to be funny and no one laughing. Oh, a week ago today, I was at Carrollton Station, and just every single joke I had completely fell flat. I'm trying new stuff. And, you know, I don't know. I was doing this stuff about... I was kind of making fun of the pickup artist. You know, the pickup artist, he's like, every time you 
give a girl a compliment. You also give her an insult. You drag down her, <laughs> her self-esteem. Then you go in there when she's, you know, vulnerable. And I was doing this stuff like girls like two things. They like getting treated bad. They like getting treated worse than that. Put on a feather boa. Go in. You know what I mean? I was just do, playing this ridiculous character. And people are like, oh, my God. He treats women like that? I was like, no, no. I didn't set up properly that I'm not the pickup artist. This is the technique of... Douchebaggery, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. And That's just people fun. looked at me like, what, what an asshole, you know. Can you rectify it by doing your old act? You just fall back on certain stuff that works? Sometimes, yeah, I'll throw what's it. Your, what's your best joke? Oh, well, I, um, I'm like, uh, so my dad's got a big dick and he pocket dials me all the time, you know. You ever get a 12-minute voicemail from your dad that just sounds like this? It's like, oh, I guess my dad's wearing mesh shorts today, you know. <laughs> and I took a girl... Okay. Took a girl out to eat. There's like a steaming pile of oysters. We're cheers and champagne flutes. And she, I'm like, oh, you're so beautiful. Wow, look at this. Hang on, I've got a phone call. Oh, it's my dad. It could be important. I just hear, oh, sorry, it's just my dad's dick. What were you saying? <laughs> you're in cosmetology school. That's cool. There's a bright future there. Yeah. Uh, sometimes my dad's dick calls me like eight times a day. He's probably playing racquetball at the Y, you know. <laughs> Why would you choose to have your dad as the subject of that? Just because it's more violating if there's the subtle incest of a dick dial from your dad. Mm-hmm. It's definitely mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Yep. It makes people more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. It's working. But it's as, <laughs> yeah. it's as innocent as a phone call. So at the same time, it's, you know what I mean? The duality. I'm not sure about that. What's, <laughs> what's wrong with you, whether you're, you know, you're a sick guy? Or... Lots, yeah. I need too much attention, you know. Is that what it is? Oh, I think every comedian has like this. They felt like they weren't heard enough. You know, they would be like, Mom, Mom. And then their mom's on the phone or whatever. They're not just can't quite break through. And I feel like uh, there's that, that is unending in my head. You know what I mean? I just, you, why, why else would you put yourself in a position where you could bomb over and over? Why else would you put, like, no, no, no. Everyone else shut up. I'm the only one that get, gets to talk. It's very narcissistic. So I'm a broken person, you know. How often are you getting to the open mic uh, at Carrollton Station? Uh, probably, like, almost every time, unless I'm booked. Sometimes uh, my friend Corey Mack books me in uh, Mandeville, so sometimes I'll go up in Mandeville and do that show on Wednesday, but yeah. pretty much every Wednesday. I'm how's, the, how's the uh, comedian's uh, little, little... How is the community. culture there? Yeah, community. Um, um, yeah, so I did stand-up in uh, New York and Los Angeles, and I right. do feel like there's certainly, uh, in New Orleans, like, fiefdoms, like, these people run this stuff. They're friends with this. Uh-huh. These people run this stuff. I was actually banned from the hi-ho, you know, because uh, the host made fun of me, and then I made fun of him back, and then I, I'm still banned. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Chair broke. <laughs> Chair yeah. broke. You okay, dude? Wow. Thank you. Did the chair broke, or did you just fall off it? I think it was a factor of things. Wow. Uh, Man, Tyler, thank God you're all right. I'm okay. That's the first time that's happened on the show. We've had a few accidents, but mostly involving people spilling drinks. Actually, what happened was he did a, uh, a double sow cow uh, <laughs> because you can't see it, so we can pretend like anything happened right. there. Man, no, are you all right? No, yeah, slow motion for me, really. It was kind of enjoyable. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like he went through it's a ketamine of, hole or something. It's kind of interesting <laughs> to suddenly out. end up... Have you ever passed out? No. That's interesting. When you wake up from passing out, you're on the floor. So yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. You just... Yeah. Oh, hell, I'm on the floor. What am I doing on the floor? Yeah, Holy good. shit. Hey, let's play a song. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 While you're still uh, conscious. Okay. 
So, um, the what I was getting at, like, about 20 minutes ago was um, that this album, well, all the music, all the Shark's Teeth music is, uh, is electronic. And, and now well, we've got well, that, that's, acoustic that, that's, guitars. That's, so how are we going to... That's true of our most deal? recent efforts. Okay. So you do other stuff as well, like yeah. this? Okay, we can swing this mic around. I think we can angle these down a little and they'll pick it up. That's, that's great. Shark's Teeth, sort of. These guys are from Shame. We're still gonna play it. Here it comes. Sherlock, Zach Meredith, and Spencer Dar. Shark's Teeth. I think we just make them play another one, don't you, Andrew? Yeah, let's do it. What do you think? Keep it going. Yeah. Yep, I would love to hear another sweet. one. Let's hear yeah. another one. Sure. Are you guys up for another one? Yeah, sure. Okay.
That's the guys from Shark's Teeth. You can find that everywhere, all over the uh, internet. Hundreds of this. It's on SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube. All of them. It's great. Easy to find. And we can find you on uh, sharksteeth.com or something like that? What's it called? Sharksteethband.com. Sharksteethband.com. Okay. And we'll put a link to that as well on our website. Google works. Yeah, you can just type in Sharksteeth. Sharksteeth Music or Sharksteethband. Or or just go to our website. It's neworleans.com and we'll have a link to that. As well. How cool. Right, Andrew? That was beautiful, yeah. Nice. Nice, guys. Thank you so much. What's the deal with that? Who's, who's writing all this stuff? Are you writing it all, the two of you, or the, well, the whole band, or what? I write the skeleton. I write the skeleton. You start off at home? Yeah, the bass, you the know. I mean, not the bass the teeth, line. is that what you're saying? A little bit, yeah, you know. And, um, I mean, I, 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 just, I just come up with the chords and, and maybe the progression and the time signature or something for, for, for the beginning. And then, and then uh, Zach... I mean, I kind of had some ideas that Zach might take, you know, and run with for that one, but he took it and ran with it in a whole different way that he's Mm. doing his own thing now. And then Spencer and I have been playing together more of our lives than we haven't, so we're both late 20s, and, like, we we passed that point. Are you both from New Orleans? Well, no, not really, but we both ended up here together after being from many different places. Right. Um, and so we, uh, we, we've, been, we've been friends, though, uh, longer than we have, and, and we've been playing music together longer than we have. And so when I play something like that for Spencer in the living room, it's just a matter of, like, yeah, he just, he'll just do his thing, and that's it. Yeah. So it's a lot of shorthand. It's really interesting when you have a band. I mean, for people who aren't musicians, are you a musician, Eric? No, Not so at all. I'm sure you'll find it. You're like, how do four or five guys come up with the same sort of idea? Mm. How do you get everyone on the same page? Does it doesn't seem to come... Does there always have to be someone in charge? 
<laughs> or can you just like you two have the same sort of language? Well, I'm in a band called Keeping, where it's like a, I'm in a band called Keeping with uh, Greg Rodriguez and Rob uh, Landry um, from, uh, I'm going to get all these Louisiana boys confused, uh, from uh, All People and Newslands and Community Records. And we're all in a band together, and it's like a very collaborative effort. Like, everyone is a songwriter. And it's cool. It's different. Right. But, but, but yeah, I've been in lots of bands where there's one songwriter, and then everybody brings in their individual sort of, like, auxiliary. Right. Uh, Auxiliary parts. Do you feel like, uh, you know, in a situation like that, I don't know how, how much experience you have being creative with the situation where it feels like a lot of cooks in the kitchen, you know, but do you feel like when you write with a lot of songwriters, does it feel like you're creating for the good of the tune and maybe you're never quite satisfied personally with the final result completely? You would have done something differently? Or does it feel like greater than the sum of the parts and it's always kind of... Maybe a little bit of both. It's, uh, I'm having trouble differentiating that between, like, if if we set out into a project being like, this is someone's project and we're all, yeah. and we're, and we're all helping on this person's yeah, project. Yeah. Or if it's, like, a project that we're all set out together. Yeah. If it was a project that it was, like, one person's project, I would yeah. definitely end up, at the end of the day, being like, this isn't the way I would have gone, right. whatever. But for right. the, Just serving but his for the purpose, his or her part purpose. Of a song, like, that does sound great. Yeah, yeah. It's not what I would have done, but that yeah. sounds great. Yeah. But if it's something that's, like, like, all collaborative, then there would have to be a lot of, like, conversations that are mostly silent. Or you're all just kind of sitting in a room, and like, and like every five minutes, someone says something like, "Well, you know, I kind of feel this way." And yeah. everyone's like, "It's a lot of uh, <laughs> saying I'm fine with that part over I, and over I guess again." I'm cool. When you're not, and then it works yeah, out. And yeah. then it works out, but it's just different ways of going about things, you know? Right. Yeah, so, totally different. So, Zach, what did you do before this band? Uh, I've played in some other bands um, around town, and but uh, I also do other things. Always been a bro. Always, you, always been around. What do you do? Is it uh, a secret? No, no, no. Um, I played in a math rock band for a while called Tear, but now that is kind of over. Um, I was in a band called Newlands for a while. It's from around here. It's a similar scene to Sonotel and all that stuff. Um, Zach, can I ask a question? What is math rock? I've heard that term well, before. It's like you, you try to use calculus to have the best song, the yeah, find, yeah, the, find yeah. the greatest beat. Yeah, it's like cosine. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's uh, it's usually just like varied time signatures, uh, usually leading into more varied time signatures. Like instead of you just having a 4-4 four, four beat that's just happening, like maybe you go from a 9 can you give us a demonstration it. of that while I read these? Probably not well two. on an acoustic guitar. Give it a, give uh, it it a shot because I have like 30 seconds worth of, that's, uh, of copy to read. That's probably easier said than done. It's usually uh, it's <laughs> oh. very dependent on a drummer for me. Okay. Uh, but uh, no, it's fun. It's uh, I've been doing less music these days, but doing stuff with Tyler has been great. So, uh, what have you been doing instead of music? Uh, I'm a web and app designer, uh-huh. so I uh, but I make stuff for nonprofits and stuff like that. Oh, so, really? Yeah, do uh, nonprofits and like advocacy groups and stuff like that. Work on their that's cool um, web presences and do you whatever build, do you applications. Build, do you build apps as well? You're an app. Builder? Uh, so I do design and the front end of that sort of stuff. So I am sort of tasked with designing how it works, how it looks, and then also um, 
the actual like what you see. Um, right. The presentational layer of things, whether that's layout and animation and typography and all that sort of stuff. Did you do that? Did you learn that in school somehow, or did you um, just start doing it? So I went to school for music business, basically, and technology. Yep. And Here just, at Loyola? Yeah, at Loyola. And um, just sort of happened into uh, making websites for people through that. And well, What is the deal with that music business school? I mean, how many music business people can we turn out here? Oh, yeah, no. It's, there is no music business here. Yeah, it's... I feel like there's this... Uh, People always come here, especially like touring bands that will book shows for it, be like, oh, New Orleans is a music town. That's great. Um, and a lot of, and especially for the kind of music we end up playing a lot of time, it is not a great music town. It's a music town for like the traditional. It's good for going down Bourbon Street or. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the tourists like think of it as a music town, but so, it's, it's hard. So, so given that there's a music business school here yeah. and they're turning out how many graduates a year, I guess at least... It's the biggest program at Loyola right now. It's the biggest program at Loyola University is yep. music business. Yep. So why is there no music business infrastructure in New Orleans? That's a great question. Uh, well, I knew eventually there'd have to be one. And uh, I do not have the answer. Um, they teach you how to apply for food stamps and get Section 8 housing and yeah. <laughs> couch surf. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I learned a lot of stuff and it... I. Why doesn't somebody I, go? In, why didn't you go into the music business? Then? I realized about two years, or maybe a year and a half, maybe even a year into my degree program, that I wasn't going to use it, and that I wanted to do more stuff with design and technology, and do my music stuff as well as that. Um, and mainly, just got my degree to make my mom happy. So uh, is she happy? I think she is. <laughs> I, think, I think she's glad I finished college. Uh, Where's where's mom at? My mom is in Lafayette, Louisiana. That's where I'm originally from. So you're from Lafayette originally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. All right. uh, Or was it just a waste of time going to school? Well. Just to keep mom happy. Did she pay for it? No. No. Uh, Luckily, uh, luckily being in state and scholarships and stuff, all that took care of a lot of it. So with kids, any kids listening to this who are in school, would you advise them to drop out or never go to school? I mean, it completely depends on what you're trying to do. Well, then trying um, to please mom. So, so that you were, you know... The hilarious thing about my... have issues with yeah. your mom, and you could well, no, not I mean, like, have to please her by wasting four years at school. It depends. Like, I wouldn't be here right now doing even the work that I'm doing had it not been for going to school for something completely unrelated. Yeah, I think churning, I, out, churning out music business professionals maybe would be a, a tough goal, but I think thinking of business in terms of the innovation and the fluidity with which the music business seems to be changing and molding itself and yeah. you know keeping up with those yeah. times you know right. and, and those I'm, professors yeah. uh, at Loyola were great. great I didn't go there I went to LSU but just just in graduation uh, you know got plugged in there just by friends yep. and man yeah it's a it's a great but, program but isn't no. it ironic though that the biggest school at Loyola is music business and yet there is no music business in the whole of America practically yeah it, I mean most people that are "Quote unquote successful from that program end up in LA or New York or Nashville um, in, the, in the music business. Yeah, um, a lot of people go and work for publishing companies, or they go and work for um, like a songwriter, just like another. They work for a publisher as a songwriter or as just a publicist. Um, hmm. That's I feel like that's the main. That's about the all that's left. Well, there's no recording industry to go work. Yeah, for. Yeah, I mean, like we get some people that are trying to be managers. Um, That's a good idea. Do you guys have management? No. Shark's teeth? Shark's teeth, yeah. No. No. Are you looking for a manager? (laughs) Not really. No. You don't need one anymore. 
No, we got this. Yeah, you guys know. <laughs> they go from cassette to internet. No middle yeah, man. There's no, there's yeah, no, no yeah, need. Okay. Who needs we that? We got it. It's okay. okay. So we got two things to do. We're going to talk about Eric's podcast. Oh, yeah. I have a, okay. Which is awesome. Can we and come on got, that next time? And we've got, sure. Wow, we All should right. go. You wait till you hear this, though. Before you want to go on there, oh. and then we need Andrew to play a song as well. What orders should we do there? Maybe if there's we should time, make, bro. Let's do I'll it. Let's make you week. play a song now. What do you think? Make Andrew play something? No, I, I would like. I that. can come any week I want. Just hit up Eric and see what's going on here. What do you got? Have you got a song ready for us? Yeah, can do. Come on, let's. Well, do it. let me go get the guitar. Oh, okay, get a guitar. Yeah. All right. Unless you want to use one of these ones. Welcome to. Okay. So, Eric, we can talk about your podcast briefly while Andrew's doing yeah, it. Yeah, so I have a podcast called Highway Diary. It, uh, you know, sometimes I put little stand-up clips in it. Sometimes, uh, you know, I just have a lot of interviews with comics from New Orleans. Um, uh, episode 160 was called The Meltdown because... Uh, I got. I think that's what you're referring that's to. That's the one I heard with your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. So I. Got that's sh- one of the best pieces of audio I've heard. Did oh. you hear that, Graham, as well? Oh, good idea. <laughs> oh. You guys have got to hear this. This is episode 160 of a podcast called Highway Diary, which you can probably find by. Yeah, it's on Googling iTunes. It. Uh huh. And it's on iTunes as yeah, well. Yeah. So I had my uh, ex-girlfriend on, and uh, so what happened was I got cheated on by a new girlfriend. And I was like, I was searching for answers. Hang I was on, like, what, what, what? I got cheated on by a new girlfriend. What is it? Yeah, so I had, I had a, a different girlfriend other than the one that was on the show. Um, okay. And I got cheated on by her. Okay. And so then I went back to my ex before, right. and I was looking for answers. And so I met up with my ex uh, at the country club, and I turned on my recorder, and we basically went over what went right or wrong about the relationship. You know, she had a kid. I taught her kid how to do karate. I taught her kid how to swim. And then just left, right, and center, she was cheating on me. And, and uh, it all came out, uh, and I basically had a series of meltdowns. So. It's very good. It's really interesting how honest you are about the whole thing. Well, I mean... What made you? What possessed you to want to record all that? I wouldn't want anyone to hear that if I was me. Oh, like your personal life? Yeah. Your ro- well, like I would be life? so embarrassed. Even if I record that, I would probably think, you know what? I'm not going to put that out. Art always costs something, Grant. That's that's True. when you know it's good is when you don't want to put it out <laughs> uh, Okay. There. I really? Think, I think philosophically, like, there's truth in comedy. If you don't have any secrets, then you're, like, a wiser person. Like, what, what do you have to hide? Well, were you I'm doing that really... for laughs, really? Or you think that's funny? I mean, it is highly entertaining. It's really entertaining, actually. I think everyone can relate to it. While I was recording it, I think that there's an eternal struggle between men and women and what they expect from relationships. And so as we were recording it... Um, as, as uh, you know, much heartbreak as it was bringing up for me, I think it was also bringing up a lot of bigger themes, you know. Well, how did it end up? Well, did you end up back together? Not at all, no. Um, so she was like, oh, uh, so off camera, after we, after we recorded a bit of a segment, then she was like, oh, remember that time I got uh, sick? I th- see, I had always thought that we broke up because she got sick and I had to go to class and I couldn't take care of her. You know, so I showed up to her house and I was like, all right, so do you want me to take you to the doctor? You're sick. What's going on? So then she's like, no, you're not taking care of me. I was like, I got to go to class. And she's like, you're abandoning me. You know, so I always thought that I abandoned. What did she have? Did she have can- Stre- She had strep throat, you know. So then later when we we're recording, she, uh, she's like, okay, is it off now? I was like, yeah. She's like, remember when I got sick that time? I was like, yeah. She's like, well, I got drunk with some other people and there was this... You know, musician. 
He came over my Gross. house, had long hair, you know, and I was just very attracted to him. Uh, and, um, you know, we just made out, and I sucked his dick, and he must have had a weird dick, so I got strep throat from, uh, a, from a weird dick. Strep dick. And so then I'm like, oh, cool. Thank you, got it. And then she gave me strep throat weird dick secondhand. No, You know, because then we, we're still in a relationship. We're kissing, oh, you know what I'm saying? It. Secondhand strep dick. So then I, when, I, when I tried to find out, like, what's going wrong? You know, Sorry, why do I Mom. keep getting cheated on with this <laughs> new girlfriend I had? And then she's like, oh, by the way, I give you weird dick strep throat. You know what I mean? So don't contact your exes. Mm. Don't, don't call your heroes. They're all going to disappoint you. <laughs> Are your exes your heroes? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm making an analogy. Right, everything, right. everything is always disappointing. Next question. <laughs> everything is always disappointing. That's a good <laughs> maxim to live by. <laughs> but, yeah, so episode 160, if you want to hear all about my heartbreak, uh, the meltdown, Highway Diary. <clears throat> okay. I think it's worth, it's definitely worth listening to. It sounds worth Thank it. Thank you. And Graham says we're going to have your girlfriend, the ex-girlfriend, on Happy Hour. <laughs> I think she's in Austin now, but I don't know. She's a bit of a vagabond. Who knows? Okay. She's just probably following the trail of weird dicks. Has know? anyone noticed, by the way? <laughs> talking of trail of tears. Yeah. Has anyone noticed that Reverend Goat Carson has disappeared? Yeah, yeah. I did he, notice. That. He said his piece. I think he just I he think just like vaporized into the ether. He's gone. Yeah. As with the tired analogy of the Native American who shows up and disappears. Yeah. You know, yeah. and just shows you the way. And I, I was wondering when somebody was going to mention that. Amazing. Well, he just, he just like. Well, I think was it was gone. like mid-song one time, and then he was like, "Oh well, they're doing the song piece. I guess I'm done." Yeah. Is that when he left? Yeah, yeah. I didn't really notice yeah, yeah. it. He just sort of drifted away. Yeah. But he did give us some good information before he left, though. I think he gave us a lot of ideas. I think he predicted 9/11 from a movie with yeah. 1983, and we we had no idea it was uh, all about the devil trying to reincarnate. I mean, wow. It's called Step Off, and it's going to be at the Zeitgeist Theater on Saturday, January 17th, and then probably after that, who knows where. We probably should go see that. Are you guys in town? I think we will. Aren't be you playing? Town. Aren't you playing the next night at uh, somewhere? Somewhere. Hmm. I think you are, actually. It's, it's, it's online. It's online. Someone else has got it. Written. Well, you don't have a manager, so someone else has got it. Who writes? Who writes stuff down on this band? Every, I don't yeah. know. Everyone's. It's very serious. It depends. It depends. Okay. Text. Text. Yeah. Someone's texted someone about Evernote. what David is where the gig Shout is. Shout out to Evernote. Evernote. Do you use that Evernote? I can't get that to work. I use it. You guys use it? Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Use Canvas. Really? Canvas. Canvas. You use Canvas? Okay. Okay. It's great. I'll check it out. Okay. Well, you're the app guy. Canvas. I'm going to write that down. Is it free? Yeah, I trust that. They've got a they've got an iPhone app and a web app. It's great. Very okay. simple. What, uh, give me a, give me a quick pitch. Thank, what rundown? What, what is what does Canvas do? Uh, it's literally just a note app. Uh, if you are techie in any way, it takes Markdown. You can write Markdown in it, which is a quick way to format text without having to like. Oh, like shit. you like you write like little uh, like a pound sign or something for different sizes of type and things it's like, like that. Like shorthand. Or something? Yeah, kind of. So if you're just like. If you know it, you can just type out notes really quickly and then just like have formatted text and lists and all that stuff without having to actually have controls and all that stuff. Oh, who knows that, though? You, got, you know that, Eric? Yeah, text. Whatever it's called. What's yeah, it called? Yeah. Mark, Mark Markdown. Da- Markdown, yeah. Never even heard of Markdown. Andrew, you, can you do that? No, it's not, not, no, not my bag. You can no. also just use yeah, it as a... You can literally also just use it as a simple text editor, yeah. and it's perfectly fine that way too okay so here's a piece of paper that goat left behind here's something about the film is that oh. Mally Mal there like that's the probably the flyer for the thing that's a the flyer for, yeah. the, for the movie hey Andrew what are you going to play before we get out of here 
play a play a song. All right. right. Okay. Is this mic on? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's gonna work. Mississippi be my guide Take me along your winding way Nothing but the soul survive Mississippi be my guide Southern shore will always receive River sands on a slow bleed Growing deeper with the weather From a corner balcony I can feel a breeze In and out Hands against the side Mississippi be my guide Just below the waterline Ever changing as she sways You don't have to dig too deep to find The river's with us all the time Mississippi be my guide And on that. Thanks, Andrew Duhon, thank you so much. What a nice way to end today's show, wouldn't you say, guys? I'd say so. 
That was a that was a whole lot of interesting uh, music commentary and beautiful music by these fellas playing those couple tunes. I thought so too. I think yeah. we've had a very high standard. I got to be honest music. with you guys, the music doesn't always not suck. So thanks for being <laughs> here. That was really good. Your song's beautiful too. Is that going on the new record? We'll see. Okay. Things need to hit the cutting room floor, Grant. We just have to be yeah. realistic, yeah. realistic about this. Okay. Well, you could do like these guys, like Shark Teeth, and just I put love everything that. up. I love that. You know, I, I, just I put it all up. I held my tongue for the sake of other conversation, but I, I love that idea, and, and it's, uh, there's something very natural about it that uh, is, I consider, genuine art in its own and way, you, if yeah, you catch got, it right. Well, you've got a good uh, way of doing that because your stuff is just you, and you could just put you and a guitar up there. I, but I don't. You have the whole band. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. That would be more akin to what Shark Steve's talking about. Just put right. it out there. Just, just do put it. Put it up. And I, I recognize that I, I demo a lot. You know, you, it would I, take the pressure off. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in this place, Shark's Teeth. Uh, I'll have you know that I'm like working on these tunes and finding myself in this Tweaksville where you, you get in this, this vertigo and you don't know which way is up anymore and uh, you start wondering. You know, it's a dangerous place. It's an yeah. awful place to be. Mm. But you know, you hope you. You step away for a while and you come back and hope to better a tune. I guess for a tune's sake, if I'm trying to tell some stories and be a lyricist in the way that, uh, um, you know, tells a, a, a story that maybe you catch the first time because it's folky and straightforward, you know, and some of them, you know. But, um, and I think those require some editing to make sure I'm coming from the right angle. But, uh, but well, sometimes you just, it's just about the feeling, and you just need to believe, trust in the feeling. And well, we're hearing your songs over the course. You know, you're playing, sometimes you play the different a version of the same song again, yeah. and it is changing. I Somebody's, was hoping you were going to say, we hear a version of the same song that you play again, and it's not better. Can't so tell the difference. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just do it. No, they're definitely changing. They're definitely getting refined, and then sections are getting longer and shorter. Yeah, well, the, the, the hope is changing. they are becoming refined, but in hopefully good ways, and that's... I think yeah. that's where that's what makes great songwriters. Well, certainly a, a, something that makes great songwriters is the ability to know how to make your song better and not worse. You know. Mm. How about uh, Goat's political rap earlier? That was yeah. crazy. That was another that was good piece nice. of music. Yeah. 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 You know, I, uh, there was a, a comic in town called Rick Shapiro, and um, he has Parkinson's disease. So his uh, wife kind of texted on Facebook, like, "Hey, can someone take him around?" And I'm a huge fan of Rick Shapiro, so. I would drive him around to all the mics in uh, New Orleans when he was in town filming a movie. And he has Parkinson's disease. And just like with Goat, um, you know, when he would hit the stage and do stand-up, he would play, like, seven different characters in his head and keep every th- keep all the plates spinning. Huh. And then he would get off stage and kind of be shaky again. But when he was on stage, I literally feel like he didn't have Parkinson's hmm. disease, if like, that makes sense. Wow. Well, like Goat claims he has Alzheimer's, and he could remember just, that whole incredible yeah, rap yeah. and exactly. do it with in performance as well. Mm. It's perfect. Pretty cool. Well, it was great to have Reverend Goat Carson here. And we'll have to go see his movie on the 17th of January. It's good to have a holy man in the building. Yeah, it was. Eric Hollaback, thank you for joining us as as well. And Tyler Skurlock, sorry you had to hit the deck there during the show, but certainly that was the first. Somebody had to do it. I think it's the happy hour. Happens every show. And how many of those drinks did you have? A couple of those. What were they? Um, I don't know. Rocky Toddy. Rock, rock and, and Toddy. Two you Rock have and to Toddies. Them. Yeah, you have to now because two Rock and Toddies will knock <laughs> me off my chair. Look out. Yeah. Thank you, Spencer yeah, and Spencer Darren. And it was a, it was a part of the performance. And Zach Meredith, thanks for joining us, you guys. Thank That's you. Shark's Teeth. You can find their stuff on Spotify, YouTube, and all over the web, SoundCloud as well. Or go to our website, itsneworms.com, and find out. That is our show for the day. That is Happy Hour. The producer of Happy Hour is Graham DePonte. 
Our music director is Christian Unruh and our music producer is Jean Valois. Thomas Walsh is our technical director and our live feed directors are the fabulous Asher Griffith and Grayson Jernigan. Our theme music was written by Mitch Foreman and it's currently being played by him as well. If you'd like to be on our show and you can stay upright for approximately 60 minutes while drinking alcohol, drop us a line. Our address is on our website, itsneworleans.com. You can check out other happy hours. We've made years of them as well as other shows we make here. Out to lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace. True to the game with the very funny and fabulous Chris True. Now, that guy's funny, isn't he, Eric? Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canata, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Talker, Milo's Music Parlor with Kim Vu, and the podcast about death called simply Death the Podcast with psychologist Dr. Arian Alfant. They're all available on itsneworleans.com. You could also find other great podcasts on itsacadiana.com and itsbatonrouge.la. You can keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter and a bunch of other time-sucking social media as well. On all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Facebook page and other places. Those photos were taken today by Dion Grayson. Thank you, Dion. If you're listening to this show on your favorite podcast app, stop what you're doing for one second and take a moment to rate and review us. That helps other people find us. And thank you for subscribing to us. Our show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street in Uptown New Orleans, where they have a three-hour happy hour here every day and a great brunch on the weekend. Happy Hours of Production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Andrew Duhon, everybody else around the table here at Wayfair and back at our office at INO Broadcasting, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. I will see you back here next week on Happy Hour. <laughs> <laughs>